while you're standing. While you're standing, will you help me honor God for this great, wonderful congregation and beautiful edifice to the glory of God? What a privilege to be at the greatest church of God in Christ in the world and one of the most magnificent churches in all of Christendom, West Angeles Church of God in Christ. Give yourselves a hand. Give yourselves a hand. Those of you that are viewing us by the internet and other technical uh, entities, we want you to know there is absolutely no church like this church anywhere near this church. You got to come. You got to come. Come one time. Come one time. Those of you viewing me from all over the country and all around the world, come one time and we'll never have to invite you back. It's just that good. Coming to West Angeles is more than just coming to church. It's coming to have an experience with God. How many of you have enjoyed your experience in the presence of Almighty God? Come on, hasn't it been great? The music has been magnificent under the leadership of that legendary songbird of the West Coast, Dr. Judy McAllister. How about it? If you study your Bible from Genesis to Revelations, you'll never find anywhere where God led a group of people without a leader. You'll never find anywhere where God led a group of people without a leader. You have been highly favored of God to have the greatest leader in Christendom today. The presiding bishop of the Church of God in Christ and the proud leader of this magnificent ministry, the Honorable Bishop Charles E. Blake. We're blessed. Let's thank God for him while we can. Let's praise God for him while we can. Let's thank God for him while we can. I tell my members where I pastor, if you can't praise me while I can see it, then don't come up here crying. Or I'm going to ask God to give me three seconds to come back alive and tell you, get away from this casket. You know. Praise God for him while you can. Come on. Praise God. Let his latter years be his most appreciated years. We want him to live long, don't we? So I'm glad to pinch hit today. Every man doesn't have a beautiful companion, but God knows he does. Lady Blake, Lady Blake. An awesome woman of God, a woman of nobility and winsome charm. It's something about her smile that just lightens up a room. Don't hate, celebrate. Listen, 
As I prepare to give unto you what God has given to me, I want to thank God for my wife who may be viewing. Wasn't able to bring her this time, but I've got a beautiful wife. I got me somebody I could bring out in the daytime. Now, don't get mad at me if you ain't got no daytime wife. Uh, she couldn't come with me today. She's preparing. Uh, she's uh, got her doctorate degree from Northeastern University, and she is a, a, over a doctorate program at Columbia University, and she teaches as a professor at Southeastern University. My, 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 my. Before you take your seat, let's give a, a hand to this uh, man of God who I love and truly respect. He's, <laughs> he knows how to do it, being number one at being number two. Pastor Charles Blake II. My dear brother, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. On your way to your seat, will you tell somebody... I believe God has a word for me. Now that time you said it because I asked you to say it. Will you say it this time because you really believe it? Turn to somebody on your other side and say, I believe God has a word for me. I shall not be long here today with this that God has given me to say to thee so great a people. Father, if you would, even as you have in times past, do it again here today. Let me down into the wisdom of your word that I might impart only those things that will produce edification in the lives of your people. I'll be careful to take no glory, but all of the honor all of the praise, I'll give it to thee and thy dear son Jesus' name. And all of God's people said amen, amen. and amen. amen. God bless you. I'm going somewhere. Are you ready for the trip? Yeah. I said I'm going somewhere. Are you ready for the trip? Yeah. This morning I shared uh, part one of this uh, thematic thrust I believe God has given me for today. Uh, it's entitled uh, Two Truths to Live By. Say that with me if you don't mind. Two Truths to Live By. Truth number one was espoused in the earlier service. Uh, not going to go over it again. If you want to hear it, order the tape. It's entitled uh, Failure is Not Final. That's a good truth to live by. Failure is not final. The truth of today's message, I would that you would repeat it with me to your neighbor. Everybody just, if you don't mind, will you, will you just turn to somebody and repeat these words with me? Why, why don't everybody just turn to somebody better looking than you are and repeat these words? With, there you go acting like you can't find nobody better looking. Well, if you can't find nobody better looking, then just find somebody looking. 
And say with me to them, it's always too soon to quit. This time for the benefit of those who are viewing us throughout the world so that they will feel like this is an excellent message, I'm going to give you one more chance after I say this to act like I just said something. Our subject for today's sermonic presentation, quote it again to your neighbor, it's always too soon to quit. The 18th chapter and the 11th verse of Acts of the Apostles. The 18th chapter, the 11th verse. I'm going to ask you to keep your Bibles open throughout the message. I have nothing to offer you outside of God's word. I will start here and show the symmetry of sermonic presentation. As I make some attempt at exegetical exactitude while matriculating through my homiletical outline. I'm doing the best I can with what I got to work with. Thank you. My brothers and sisters, read that 11th verse of the 18th chapter, if you would. Read it aloud with me, just the first three words of the 11th verse. What does it say? And he continued. Say it again. And he continued. Now look up at your neighbor and say, he continued. What about you? It's always too soon to quit. The Apostle Paul, one of the greatest then-known speakers in the then-known Roman Greco era, if you had asked him, he neither boasts nor brag, but he would have told you, my few Jewish uh, compadres, Paul would have told you by birth, I'm a Benjaminite. By racial identity, I'm a Jew. By training, I am a Pharisee, and by trade, I am a tent maker. Concerning my education, I matriculated through the Sanhedrin courthouse and then sat at the foot of Gamilia and told him, if you would be my teacher, I'll be your student. Concerning foreign languages, he mastered in 13 and minored in 7. If you would ask him, who are you? He would have told you, I am a prisoner of the Lord. He would have told you, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. Somebody that believes there's power in the gospel, clap your hands and praise God for the power of the gospel. Look at your neighbor again and tell him, there's power in the gospel. All those of you that know it saved you. You were saved through the power of the gospel. Tell somebody next to you, I know there had to be power in the gospel to save somebody like me. Now, if you don't mind being honest with your neighbor, tell them, you're looking at me now. You know, I've been trying to tell y'all to talk to your neighbor, and I've been up here about five, ten minutes, and some of y'all haven't even looked at your neighbor, let alone talked to him. Some of y'all got this way of looking at, kind of giving your neighbor the vibe. Now, I didn't come here for all that talking. Now, don't be talking to me and telling me to say nothing. I, I'm just doing good to be here. 
will you please just look at that person beside you and tell them, neighbor, if you didn't want nobody to talk to you, you should have sat somewhere else. Tell them, because we's going to be talking in this area, right? In this section, we's going to be talking. Will you repeat with me? It's always too soon to quit. Now on Paul's missionary journey, he made several stops. I want to take your mind on a mental flight and recapitulate back over the eons of time and stop with me and let's make four stops. Are you ready for the trip? I'm going somewhere. Y'all going to go with me? I'll know you by the vocal expression of amen. Don't substitute it with the nodding of your head. Are you going with me? Thank you very much. It's always too soon to quit, my brothers and sisters. As we, as we reach milestones in our lives, we characteristically pause and look at where we've been and where we might be going. As we grow into adulthood and youthful naivety, naivety it's often replaced by cynicism, discontent and distrust. Each generation, like those that have gone before, must learn to face death, sometimes illness, divorce, financial stress, and other problems of life. These problems aren't new, only the realization that they are very present and very real. Can I share a story with you? A small boy born in Harlem. Where was he born? That's my way of keeping you alert and making sure. You know how some people sit in church and uh, close their eyes and try to act deep? You ain't deep, you sleep. A small boy. He was just a small boy. He was born in Harlem, New York in 1921. He was frequently left with relatives so his Vanderbilt parents could go on tour. His means, his, his, his mean abusive mother often vented, she vented her vicious temper on her young son. During his childhood, he stayed with dozens of alcoholic aunts and uncles who deposited him in 18 different schools before he finally graduated from high school. At age 13, he ran away from home to seek an aunt in California. Riding, riding his bicycle most of the way until it broke down. He continued his journey on freight trains. Look at him. Imagine eating ant-covered leftovers that wandering hobos had left behind. After a short term in the army, he began a radio career in the late 40s and when he went on to other shows and finally to television. He has since written poetry, two short stories, and several novels, 
Also, and he was an accomplished pianist, a lyricist. He has written over 4,000 songs, including scores of Broadway plays. In addition, this same boy from Harlem, he is a popular, he was a popular lecturer and wrote the Meeting of the Mind series for PBS television. Who is he? Perhaps you will know him by this. He was best known for creating the format for late night television. The comedic talk show he created in 1953 and which first went on the air in 1954 as The Tonight Show. His name was Steve Allen. Sooner or later, all of us have to live like Steve Allen through extreme difficulties in time. Will you look at somebody and say, I've had my share of life's ups and downs. Now, if, if you know what I'm talking about, tell somebody, I've had my share of life's ups and downs. Tell them I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. Some of you are like I am. I didn't start from scratch. I started from the other side of scratch. Hello, somebody. Now, if you notice here, there's something about life and its troubles and its difficult times. Life has disabling illnesses or injuries. It could be the loss of loved ones. It could be the bro a broken heart the loss of a job, financial difficulties, drug or alcoholic dependency. It could be troubled children. Some of y'all try to act proud, but some of y'all know you got baby kids. <laughs> My brothers and sisters, yes, this is the time when we question whether or not life is still worth living. If you've ever been there, tell somebody, been there, been there. Look at him in the face and tell him it ain't been that long ago. This is a time when we question whether or not life is still worth living. Is the dream worth the price? This is the time when hope flees our hearts and when fear paralyzes our minds and destroys our enthusiasm. And when tears rush to our eyes more often than laughter to our lips. Don't let people's smile on the outside fool you. Some people are smiling on the outside while they're bleeding on the inside. I've learned not to stop people from shouting in church. I used to, you know, when they get to going on and going on and going on, then turn around and going on some more. I used to stop them till I realized that you don't know what people are going through. And sometimes church is the only place where they can feel a sense of relief. If you only knew what they were going through in their home, on their jobs, with their children, in their relationships, people sitting next to you, you don't know what they've been through. If they shout, if they clap, if they run down the aisle, don't look at them funny. I don't hear nobody talking to me. You sitting up here looking like you've been baptized in prune juice and smothered in lemon sauce. But you too ought to be praising God. You too, if it had not been for the Lord that was on your side. 
You too have had some problems. You've had some mental anguish. Psychology teaches that one out of every 10 person, one out of what? Every 10th person suffers from some mental disorder. One out of every what? Look down your row and start counting. One, two, three. Touch your neighbor, tell them one of us got a problem. When we reach this low point in life, worship no longer lifts our spirit and prayer seems useless. This is the time when we question everything we ever believed in. We even question God's love for us, sometimes wondering if we still even believe that there is a God. This is the winter season of the soul. It's the dark night of the heart. The testing hour of the spirit. This is when many people throw up their hands in despair and simply give up and quit. But I suggest to you, and I want you to rehearse it with me to your neighbor. Neighbor, no matter how hard, no matter how difficult, remember this. It's always too soon to quit. In reality, we don't fail because we don't get breaks. In reality, we fail because we don't accept responsibility for our mistakes and learn from our experiences. We fail because we don't take decisive actions that will do something about our predicament. You can sit there and have a pity party and feel sorry for yourself. Nobody knows. Honey, let me tell you something. You better be glad if don't nobody know. Don't you let these people know you're going through. Some of these people will rejoice seeing you go through. Instead of having a pity party and sitting here dry, lifeless, cold, dead, and insipid, be like David and say, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praises shall continually be in my mouth. What's that in your mouth? What's that? Get that double mint and juicy fruit and peppermint. I, child, I need a little something for my breath. You should have got your breath together before you come to church. Open your mouth and fill it with praise. Open your mouth and fill it with glory. Open your mouth and fill it with thanksgiving. Come on here. Praise the Lord, somebody. You don't have to quit. We fail because we turn away from God, the very person that can help you. In a few moments, I'm going to give every one of you an opportunity to come to the only one that can help you. You may be suffering from an alcoholic problem. And AA, bless them for all the work that they do. And these rehab centers, for all the work that they do for those that are addicted to drugs, some of which are you. But brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. There's a reason why they call it a halfway house. Because it can't help you but halfway. If you want to be made whole, ain't nobody can help you but Jesus. Somebody shout Jesus. Somebody shout Jesus. I got 
got to get out of here. Let's make four stops. And I'll be back, y'all, hopefully. <laughs> Come with me to Acts the 17 chapter. What an honor to preach at this church. My mentor's church. I salute this general of the church. My brothers and sisters, the 17th chapter of Acts. I started with 18 and 11 and it said, and he continued. But before he got to Acts the 18th chapter, starting the 17th chapter, I'm almost through with the embodiment of my message. Stop there in the first verse of that particular passage of scripture. Now I want you to read with me aloud. It probably, perhaps, will be on the screen. It reads like this. Come on, read aloud if you will. Now, when they had, they passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia. And they came, it's important now, they came to where? I told you I'm going to make four stops. The first stop is Thessalonica. They came to where? They came to where? Thessalonica. Where? was a synagogue of the Jews. Yeah, 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 it was a synagogue of the Jews. Aren't you glad that God is not regulated to race and denominational boundaries? Aren't you glad God builds bridges and not walls? I don't hear nobody talking to me. Aren't you glad God saves souls and not skins? came to Thessalonica. What do they, what does Paul experience in Thessalonica? Now we're going to go on this magnificent trek for just a few brief moments. We're going to make four stops. First stop, Thessalonica. First stop, what? And Paul, as his manner was, went into them. And three Sabbath, meaning 21 days, he stayed among them, opening and alleging that Christ must need have suffered and risen Again from the dead. Touch somebody, say, sound like the gospel to me. Now, listen to what happens. We've got to hurry here. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul. But I want you to note the fifth verse. What does it say there? But the Jews, which believed not. Some of the Jewish people did not believe in the message that Paul was teaching. It said they believed not and moved with what? Move with envy, read, took unto them certain lewd fellows, evil men. Talk to me, come on. The Bible said they were lewd fellows of the baser sort. Tiny, we would have needed you right there. Traveling with Paul, we would have needed Brother Tiny to be traveling with us on that journey because these were some bad dudes. These were some gangsters that had turned against Paul and his crew. I ain't always been saved. I remember being in the streets for a few minutes and hanging with people that were drinking wine, committing crime, shooting and looting, high sliding and low riding, turning over cars and burning down bars, walking in fours and kicking down doors, slashing tires and setting fires. But one day somebody told me about Jesus. Paul is in Thessalonica and these have turned against him. 
All I want to say is this. When you stop in Thessalonica, and all of us have a Thessalonica that are going somewhere in God. Is there anybody here trying to accomplish something in your life? Anybody here trying to do something for God? Anybody here trying to have a career? Now, now, notice people around you. If they're not lifting their hand, watch them, watch them. Look at your neighbor. Tell them, I got my eyes on you. I'm watching you. I'm, I'm watching you. You got to watch hanging with negative people. You got to watch hanging around negative people. I don't let negative people ride in my car too long. If you ride in my car and you start talking negative, I don't have but one question to ask you. Do you want to get out at this stop sign or the next? God has been too good to me. God has made too many ways for me to start hanging with people that don't believe. What did Paul experience in Thessalonica? Everybody shout rejection. You're going to experience rejection. In your path, you're going to experience rejection. Everybody smiling in your face is not happy. I don't hear nobody talking to me. I told them in the other earlier service, you got people in the church that kissy poo poo, hi darling, hello sweetheart, love you, hey sugar, and can't wait for service to get out and get in their car and roast you like a chicken on a rotisserie where they take turns talking about you. Look at your neighbor and ask them, what have you said about me lately? Look at them in the face, tell them what your dressed up self. What did you say? In Thessalonica, you'll embrace rejection. Every one of you that's trying to accomplish something, don't let it take you by surprise. You will face rejection. I've got to hurry. These stops are represented by words that start with R. What do you have? What do you experience in Thessalonica? Let's move quickly to our next stop. Our next stop is found in the 10th verse. It's Berea. Everybody shout Berea. Berea. The Bible says in Berea, these Jews, Jewish saints, were more noble than those of Thessalonica in that they received the word of God and then went home to study the things they've heard to see if those things were so. I don't hear nobody talking to me. My, 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 my. I'm about to enjoy my own cooking here. Will you look at somebody and give them a my, 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 my. Some of y'all so stubborn you ain't gave one my yet. In Berea, what does Paul experience? Reception. In Thessalonica, he experienced what? Rejection. In Berea, what does he experience? Reception. The people receive him. But guess what? The Bible declares that even though he experienced in that 12th verse or 10th verse, he experienced what we call reception. Look at the 13th verse. It says, and when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was being preached by Paul in Berea, they came thither also stirring up the people. Just when you think you've gotten rid of your problem. I don't hear nobody talking to me. Just when you think you've gotten rid of your haters. Just when you think God has brought you to a place of receptivity. And embracing people that want to embrace you. All of a sudden you look around and here come those haters. 
Some of you thought you had gotten rid of them and they're sitting on the road behind you. I don't hear nobody talking to me. You may think you have reception, but just as sure as you have reception, you're going to have the exception of those that don't want to see you make it. Those that always got a negative word. Those that want to pull you back. Those that want to hold you down. Those that want to put you down. But will you tell somebody, keep moving, keep moving. It's too soon to quit. 15th verse. One more stop and we're going to make our last stop. Third stop found in the 15th verse. The 15th verse. Read it aloud with me if you have it. Come on. All right, so where did they stop now? Shout Athens. First stop, Thessalonica. What they find in Thessalonica? Rejection. Second stop, Berea. What did he find in Berea? Reception. Third stop, Athens. Third stop, some of y'all still at the first stop. Will you wake up and come on with us? Third stop, Athens. What's in Athens? Athens is a Greek territorial domain. The Greeks, you remember the Greeks? Plato, Socrates, Euripides, and Aristophanes as they sat around the coffin on and discussed the great issues of reality. In this particular text, you have what they call the Epicureans. The Epicureans are people of what we call the intelligentsia of the time. Then you have the Stoics. These are people that believe in pleasure as their gods. Sounds like Los Angeles. I mean, Athens, excuse me. Excuse me, I didn't mean no harm. These are people that were pleasure seekers. They wouldn't have been found on a Sunday morning nowhere near a church. Church is too long. A few hour and a half or so is too long for them, but they'll they, they'll say church is too long. But I've never seen these pleasure seekers say Disney World or Disneyland is open too long. I've never seen them say the bar is open too long. I've never seen them wang dang doodling all night talking about the club is open too long. I've never seen them at the dance hall dropping it like it's. Say, y'all need to close this place up. It's too long. See, what you enjoy, y'all don't hear me. What you enjoy, you don't mind being involved in because you into it and it's into you. I wonder, is there anybody here that when you think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for you? Let me pause here. I got to figure something out. Let me be clear here. I know this is where the preacher's sitting on the front row. That's the preacher section. This is the choir section. Where's the praise section in this church? Don't fool me. Where are the praisers? I'm going to need the praisers to stay with me as we journey to the next step. The Bible says in that third step that he found, in my opinion, ridicule. They called him names. The Bible says in that uh, 
I believe it's the 18th verse. They called him a babbler. And on your journey, on, in your career, in your ministry, in what you're trying to accomplish, there are going to be people that are going to call you names. They call you names to de-emphasize your sense of self-worth. They call you names to devalue who you really are. But don't you let anybody make you think that you're less than you are. I'm not who you say I am. I'm who God says I am. God says I'm the head and not the tail. God says I'm the first and I'm not the last. I don't care. You don't have to, you don't have to like me. You can sit there with your self-righteous nose looking down at me. Y'all don't hear me. But I'm going to tell you something. I don't, will you look at your neighbor? Help me with this. How, come on, y'all help me with this. Look at your neighbor. Tell him, neighbor, I don't care what you heard about my past or what you think you know. Look at him. Do your hand like this. Tell him, you better turn that page. I'm in a new chapter. Old things have been passed away. And behold, I've been made brand new. Touch your neighbor and tell him if you was going to stop me. Tell him if you was going to block me. You should have did it way back when. Tell him I done got to the place where I blessed the Lord at all times. I done got to the place where I give thanks in everything. I done got to the place where I recognize it's too soon to quit. I done got to the place where I found out if God I wish I could get somebody to help me tell your neighbor, hang on in there. Tell them, hang on in there. Tell them, you're not by yourself. Tell them, I've had my share of life's ups and downs. Tell them, I've been down through there where I've been mad enough to spit and almost ready to quit. But before I could throw in the tie, the Lord spoke to me and said, if God be for you, will y'all help me? Look at your neighbor and say, if God be for you, it doesn't matter how hard the task, it doesn't matter how difficult the path people say hang on in there it's too soon to quit tell them hold on just a little while longer God will bring you out shout yes shout yeah 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 we gonna make this last stop he stopped in Corinth 18 chapter, 6 verse. The Bible said Paul was despondent. He was sick of being sick. Somebody can relate to that. If you can relate, start clapping when I call what you feel. Sick of being sick. Tired of being tired. Fed up with being fed up. Upset with being troubled. Disappointed with the lack of support, weary of the people around you, draining you, straining you, 
instead of encouraging you. Look at your neighbor say, been there, been there. Tell him, but neighbor, it ain't over. Tell him, hold on, it's too soon to quit. The Bible says that Paul looked at him in that sixth verse and said, I'm sick of preaching to y'all and you won't get any better. I'm tired of telling you the way of holiness is right. And then you live wicked lives. Got a million dollar dance and a two cent life. Talk upstairs while you live in the basement. I heard Paul said, I'm sick of it. He's, the Bible said he shook his raiment, fed up with you. Have you ever been fed up with people? Tired of trying to make you better. Tired of trying to encourage you. Lift up your head. Be encouraged. And the more I try to encourage you, the more I'm drained. Paul said, I'm sick of it. Ho, 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 ho. Hallelujah. What you gonna do, Paul? Paul looked at him and said, the blood be on your own head. I'm tired of telling you fornication is wrong. Homosexuality is not in the will of God. Same-sex marriage, y'all ain't gonna help me. It's not the will of God. I'm tired of telling you, stop your abortions. Stop your premarital sex and come to the altar and tell God, Lord, here I am. Touch me again. Deliver me now. Set me free. Paul said, I'm tired of telling you and you won't receive it. So the last R is retirement. What I said was, Paul was ready to throw in the towel. Oh, Lord, we're getting ready to go home now. Yes, getting ready to quit. The Bible says he went outside of the synagogue and ran into a man named Justice. The Bible called Justice said he was a worshiper. Oh, Lord said he was a worshiper and I'm going to tell you right now if you're at the point of giving up just get next to a worshiper if you're ready to quit your marriage if you're ready to quit your job if you're tired of being a volunteer in the church and feeling unappreciated Look at your neighbors. I don't know if you know it or not. But you done fooled around and sat next to a worshiper. Tell them I bless the Lord. At Where are my worshipers? Where are my worshipers? Take 60 seconds and praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. I dare you to praise him. There's power in praise. There's deliverance in praise. There's victory in praise. Clap your hands. Open 
open your mouth and give God some praise. You can praise your way up. You can praise your way out. You can praise your way over. Grab your neighbor by the hand and say, neighbor, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Take 30 seconds and go ahead and give him what he deserves. Praise him. Don't you quit. Praise him. Don't let the devil make you doubt. Bless him. Bless him. Bless him. Time will not allow me to lay hands on every one of you. But if you would bow your heads right now, perhaps tonight I'll get a chance to lay hands on you and anoint you. But today, today, right now, God wants to encourage your heart. Right now, if you don't know Jesus and the pardon of your sins, you're trying to make it through life. And you've had several points where you've been ready to quit. In 1905, Albert Einstein, his dissertation was rejected by the University of Berlin. He later became one of the greatest minds of all times. I'm through. Michael Jordan, they tell me he was cut twice in high school. But it was too soon to quit. He became one of the greatest basketball players of all times. <laughs> Bishop often talks about Joseph. He could have 
quit in the pit. But he went from the pit to the palace because it was too soon to quit. I can't even fathom the many problems and challenges that Bishop Blake must have had. One right after the other because every new level is a new devil. I can't even imagine the many things the devil threw at him. One of the most strategic things the devil uses, he uses accusations and distractions. But I'm so glad the word of God is true that no weapon that is formed against you shall ever prosper. So don't you quit. As I close and ask you to come for prayer, what if he had to quit when he came to that little church 50 years ago and they rejected him they ridiculed him they refused him but because he told himself it's too soon to quit we have this cathedral today and the largest church of God in Christ in the world because one man said it's too soon to quit. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I'm not going to hold you long. My time is expired. But Bishop is the kind of man that will not close out any service without giving someone an opportunity to receive Jesus. My brother, my sister, if you're at the point of abandonment, if you're at the point of almost throwing in the towel, I want you to get up and let me pray for you. If you need help with what you're going through. Get up here and come now quickly. Don't wait on friend nor foe. Get in the aisle. I'm calling you now. Come here. Come here. Don't you leave here like you came. Come here. Come here. You're grappling with problems, cares, and concerns. Come here. Come here. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. Preacher, I want to be saved. I don't want to go another day without giving my life to Jesus. I can't make it. I've tried to make it on my own, but I need Jesus. Come here, baby. Her friends are bringing it. If there's somebody next to you that won't come unless you tell them, I'll come with you. I'll come with you. Don't leave here like you came. The God I serve wants to help you. He wants to forgive you of your sins and give you new life within. Get up. Come here quickly. I don't have long. Will you please come? The Lord invites you to come. His hands are open towards you. If you're in the balcony, come quickly. Come quickly. He wants to save you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to help you. There are 10 other people that need to get up and come right now. Don't make the devil out of a liar. He's trying to hold you back. That's a demonic force that don't want you to come. Get the help you need. Get up here. Quick now. Come, come, come. Come, come, come. There's an anointing. There's a yoke destroying anointing that's going to destroy the thing.